Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You speakers meeting. My name is Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Sunday, September 23rd. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Melanie to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater in Minnesota. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. I will now call on Carol to read the 12 traditions. Carol, can you press star one to unmute? Thank you, Christy. Good morning, the vision for you. Good morning, Christy. The 12 traditions. One, our common, common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a great purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you, Carol. Again, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You speakers meeting. A speakers meeting is where we bring a recovered compulsive overeater to the line to share in a general way what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. After our speaker is done sharing, we will open the meeting for questions and answers. Today, we are very grateful to have Paula with us to share. Please go ahead, Paula. This is Paula, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I will start with, yes, my name is Paula, Paula D. I always wished it was kind of like Sandra, you know, like Sandra D. But no, it's Paula D. And truly, I am recovered. I live the life of a recovered person today. First, I'd like to begin. Now, I have told my story before, so for some, and then I said, well, this is my story. And I thought, well, maybe I should change my story. Honey, I'm not changing my story because I can't change my life. And today, I don't know what point brought me where I am today, so I will change nothing. I ain't tampering with a good thing. I'd like to begin first with a quote, and I will try to identify um, all quotes I, I do put out there and also where I find have found things in the big book that have revolutionized my life. All endings, and this is Mitchell Bloom, all endings are also beginnings. We just don't know it at the time. So thus, I will begin and tell my story about endings in my life that were also beginnings. I just didn't know it at the time. I'm going to start here with words from the big book also on page 29. It states, each individual in the personal story describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. I was born into an alcoholic home. My father was the active alcoholic. I was the second child and first daughter. Um, ducks have ducks, and um, we had four ducks there, quacking away, all trying to find our way out of the maze. Um, my drug of choice uh, in the early years was food. 
And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I go to Webster a, a lot. Mr. Daniel Webster, we have become quite, um, quite chummy. And uh, he would describe food as a substance or whatever that supplies nourishment. And that wasn't my description of food. Food was readily available, and thus it began from the very early years, the misuse and abuse of food. Food for nutrition, as Daniel Webster said, I didn't understand now, but for relief and comfort. Now that I understood, and I needed that. I needed that. It started very young. Uh, Turned to food probably five or six years old. You know, I couldn't pick up a drink because it seemed when I watched my father, he picked up a drink and then ah, I picked up a bite and there was You know, I watched other children in my neighborhood and the way they would use food, and they would say, oh, that's enough. Oh, I don't want to finish that. Like, that was like crazy. How could they say that? I couldn't identify with them. I didn't understand. But I will go on. In a home steeped in alcohol, as it says in the big book, Confusion reigned. That was what reigned there. And what it brought, and you can, you know for yourself, or you may not know, but I will tell you what it brought. You know, I'd go to a friend's home, and it was so different there. You know, where was the arguments, um, the fears, you know, nobody was cowering, the, the yelling, the abuses? No. And then I'd return home, and there they all were. You can paint your own picture of what your life was, uh, what my life was or your life was, but I will say now the picture I paint was like the pictures you see, and I just had the opportunity to go to an art museum and see a lot of very famous painters, a lot of Dutch and the uh, Flemish painters, which was ones that I was always um, kind of drawn to. The pictures were often now with dark backgrounds, and uh, you couldn't see much in the dark. Now, they're the truth. Now, in a house with alcoholisms, the abuses were many. You see, they flourish in the darkness. But let me put this part in. Yet, like the Dutch and Amish painters, there was an ever-present, vibrant light in the faces. In the darkness, the faces stood out, every detail. You could look in their eyes and see things. In my life, I believe that light was God. Even then, we always went to church, by the way. Every Sunday, my mom would dress us and trot us off to church. I got something. I got something there. I got fellowship. I got friendship. I got acceptance. Not recovery, though, because I didn't even know that I needed that at this point. May I add here, and I'm going to say it was not all darkness. There was joy. I went out and I made friends. I played with my siblings. And I I grew. I did grow. Now, true enough, stunted in many ways. My weight started to climb. Five and six years old, yes. Seven and eight, nine and ten. I was what they would call a uh, chubby child. That was a cute way of saying fat, but that was all right. I prefer chubby. May I add here that, it, as it states on page 164, clear away the wreckage of your past. Just the wreckage. 
not my past. God can and did use all. What I thought was unusable, God could and would use. Now, I'm going to put the word amazing in here because I says, how can anybody use this? See, that was God. Hear the ending of my childhood, perhaps before it's time, but I moved on into my teen years. We moved two or three times, my mother trying to escape my father, but the love drew her back, and the hope, and maybe he'll change this time. This disease, it will take you. It says in the big book, from whom he had much affection. But that didn't matter. But with that, my dependence on food, my weight went up and down. Oh, yes, I had no problem. But usually it was going up. It wasn't really going down at that time. But then something happened, and there was a change. I wanted to look different. I wanted to be, uh, you know, uh, to, to be attractive to the opposite sex, by which I was, by the way. I, I lost weight, and I, I'm a looking good girl, and I controlled my weight. And how, how did I control it? By what I ate and what I didn't eat. Here existed the ability, now still existed, my, to control my eating. Perhaps only for months at this time, but still, it came. I was absolutely surprised at how I could eat so little and still walk around. Ah, keep that weight down. And also, how much I could eat. I was always, like, surprised the next morning, like, did I eat all that? And I have to balance that one out. It worked. It worked at that time until my goal was achieved. And that was always a certain weight. It had nothing to do with anything else. See, I was only working on the outside. I didn't know anything about the inside. You know, I'd like to add here, and I'm going to put this here because this is going to go throughout my story. But Bill stated on page 12, the real significance of my experience, the cathedral burst upon me for a brief moment. I had needed and wanted God. I want you to know I did often call upon God. And like for Bill, he came. But why did he come? There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. And also, I can identify with Bill again here. But soon, the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so he had been ever since. How blind I had been. I want to go on with my story because that part came so, became so relevant to me. I went on to get married. Be just a side there. Okay. Now, this was not a marriage made in heaven, clearly. But, you know, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to get married. I was 20 years old. My God. Time was a ticking girl. Now, there were two sick people. By the time I, when I got married, I was 135 pounds, pretty much what I'm probably weighing now. And that was a healthy weight for me. Now, I will tell you clearly. Healthy how I achieved it? No. Did that matter? No. My first child was born. I'm progressing on here. My first child was born a year later, and by then I was 205 pounds. Now, yes, my son was not 42 pounds. My son was a seven and a half pound baby. That's it. But within months, I was down to 135 again. 
So that went and it continued on the yo-yo of up and down with my weight. And may I tell you, with that went my life. Happy, sad, right, wrong. The marriage was a stormy one. But like a barometer, I changed with the environment. A a chameleon would fit here, as I did. I went on to have three more children in eight years. My second child, Danielle Joseph, lived only two weeks. My largest baby. Here, too, I had needed and wanted God, and I will tell you, he came. He came. In a year, I could be 30 to 40 pound weight difference, not once, but two or three times. Now, how does one do that? I could answer that, and I'm sure many could. Here on the outside, hmm, I finally seem to fit, always looking to fit. Married, mother, now private home, homeowner, and successful in my chosen field, seemingly. I went on to college to teach three children. My youngest by this time was about uh, three or four years old. And I received a degree in early childhood with a minor in psychology. Hmm. Now I'm going to put another one here. Page eight fits here. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities of my com- capacity to surmount obstacle. Now this is the part was cornered at last. Remember what I said, seemingly? Then wise came as I continued to binge and starve. Compulsive eating began to take a life of its own, and I was the life it was taken. I was, as the big book stated, on a full flight from reality. I chose what I would see and what I would not see. I couldn't answer the how and why's to conquer this growing problem, and it became more and more, as it says in the big book clearly. So I stuffed, I stuffed it down for another day. Yeah, tomorrow I'll deal with it. The day never came. Tomorrow would come. It didn't matter anymore that I wanted to change, that I wanted to lose weight, that I didn't want to bench. None of that mattered. Thus, I went the route of, let me think, therapist, commercial food programs, and even OA. And I'm going to tell you, they were all helpful to educate. So the what was explained. Well, that's the what of it. But I couldn't go any further than that. It stopped there. All things and programs worked for a while, and they did. My goodness, I have more medallions and more pins and more lifetime memberships But this, too, got shorter until I I couldn't put a day together. I would start out with such, oh, today is going to be different. No. No. At least if I could just make it to tonight. You know what? It wouldn't be so bad just to binge at night. Not even that. Not even that. The four horsemen were my daily companions. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Mm-mm. And it says clearly on page 151, unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. I didn't want to see the truth. For you see, as the big book stated, there was always, ah, one more attempt. Oh, yeah. And one more failure. But the failure was coming closer now. And the attempts were weakening as I was. I did not want to believe this. Page 30. 
most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. See, that's where I was most. See, I wasn't like my father for crying out loud. That was different. What was different? What was different? At this time, somehow, don't even know how, but I got a number. And the year was 2009, and it was a big book study meeting. And um, I really thought, I have to tell you clearly here. I said, how sad is that? People actually getting on the phone and sitting there for an hour or two? (laughs) That wouldn't be me. Desperation brought me there. I'll tell you why it came. They did the big book study line by line, and I thought I'd been in the halls. No, I had been in the halls, and I heard it. I heard these these the big book. I mean, I heard I grew up in Allen on NAA and and twelve uh, step programs, but I never heard it this clearly. It was to me a revelation. Now here was a beginning, just a beginning. Was I ready to finally listen? We only can answer that question for ourselves, can't we? I cannot answer, but I can tell you what happened. Was I ready? I think it was the beginning, as I said before. On page 62, oh, that was a kicker. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our trouble. Could this be a description of who I was and how I lived? No. No, this wasn't me. I thought this, it couldn't be this, so I stayed in the disease. That wasn't me. That was my dad. That was the others. My judging robes were still on at this point. Something happened, though. Something happening as I was, something was coming together. I'm going to go back to, it was Halloween. And something happened that confirmed that this was true. Selfishness, self-centeredness. I'm going to tell a story here about a little child, and her name was Emily. My son received full custody of her when she was two. Her mother was an addict, never seen her since then. She is now 10 years old. At this point, uh, it was Halloween. Now, I'm going to tell you clearly, this was my high holiday, Halloween. So I took Emily out, little as she was, and off we went, trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat. She was filling that bag. She was getting tired, but she could walk a little further. Fill that bag, Emily. She knew and loved her grandmother. Her grandmother knew and loved her. We got home, and she hid the bag. The grandmother that loved her. She was laying in the bed, and she said to me, Nana, going to tell a story? And I was there four to five days a week, helping my son raise Emily. Now, how can you call that selfish and self-centered? She stood with the storybook. She laid down, and I said, Nina, I'll be right back, honey. Where was my mind? Do you know where my mind was? My mind wasn't there. I looked at the beautiful child holding the book, one of our favorites. And I went on. I went on to find out my search, and I will tell you, I would not quit. Until I found it. No thought of the child. None at all. And find it I did. Do you think once I found it, I went back to the child and I would just have one and go back and tell the story? There was still time, you know. No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. I take the first bite. The first bite takes me. 
It wasn't going to bring me back to her. An hour and a half later, I came back. She was still holding the book and still waiting for her grandmother. That's when it happened. Then I knew I fit page 62. I didn't want to, but with that revelation, what was revealed to me? And then I truly started to listen and to understand more and more. But there was more. Now, I'm going to tell you here. I grew up, like I said, in Alan and Alan team. But I finally saw the truth. And I could not. Now, this is what. I couldn't go back to the lie. You know, I lived in denial for so long. Well, this is not so bad. Oh, my husband. Yeah, he's got some problems. I couldn't go back to the lie. I continued to listen, and I learned so much. But there was, now this is just for me, there was something not right for me. For this group was wonderful. It took me to a place I had never been before, a love of the big book. But I knew, for me, it was a mental obsession and a physical allergy. It wasn't for me just about the action itself. It was more than. It was the what leading up to. It wasn't just a behavior. I could read the doctor's opinion and know truly this is what it was. Every time I read it, it would, that's it. That's it. I know today for me, it is and was a physical allergy. As Dr. Siltwork stated in the doctor's opinion. Now, I'll tell you something. I don't alter the big book. There were a time now that I said, well, they probably don't mean that. Oh, yeah, they do mean that. Just the facts. Just that, and I know today, this is the truth. Indeed, I'm going to tell you clearly, the truth shall set you free. This group, though, started me on the path, and for that, I am forever grateful. May I add here, this was similar to, for me, the 3D pictures that were computer-generated. And I I don't know if some of you might remember this, and they had various dots, and you had to try to see the picture within the dots, the big picture. Well, see, if I looked too close, you really couldn't see it. And then I would look a little bit from a distance. Well, maybe that could be me. Maybe I don't have that mental obsession, Maybe it is for me only only a behavior, and it's not actually the food. How silly is that, being allergic to food? So I would look to the side, look to the other side, and then this is the part that, hmm, the pretender. Yeah. You know the song, The Great Pretender? Yeah. And finally, I saw the big picture. No more pretending. Now I move on to another phone meeting. I listened and I heard the big book speak and come alive even more. I could identify more with this now because there was both elements here, physical allergy and mental obsession. I would listen to the people of which I am one. I'm a people. You're a people. And they would tell their story of recovery and the path they took to be recovered, to arrive and and, and continue to be recovered and live in recovery. Whoa. Whoa. That's it. Live in recovery day in, day out, month in, month out. There is a way out. Oh, blessed release. Here I saw more. Now, this is what changed. Then abstinent. Here I began to see the transformation that they write about on 567. I had spiritual experiences, and I did. But here it deepened and it widened to include my disease. 
I was living in page 567. I saw it, I lived it, and others became aware of the difference. That's what it states. Others became aware of the difference. The change. I wasn't reacting to life. I was responding. I was reborn, as it says on page 63. Here in new life. You know, when we're born, we learn all kinds of skills to hear, to see, to talk, to walk. But see, it was in a different dimension now. I saw it differently. The judge's robes, mm-mm, they came off quickly. What I saw, I saw hurts. I saw pains that were beyond my own. I couldn't see beyond my own. Hear the miracle. Now here is the miracle. I thought differently. I didn't think the same way. You know, the answer was given and received. Action is born in thought, and it took on a new meaning. It was clear when they say it wasn't stopping, it was staying stopped. Knowing the promises on page 83 were for me, and that is willing. I was willing. Also on page 85, that's all I brought. Like a huge buffet, you know, I, I'm going to use this because, you know, there it was, and I brought so little. But God said it was enough. It was enough. Your willingness, that's enough. You know, this buffet wasn't a food. No, far more. Happiness, joy, accepting, living life. That was the buffet. And you know, it says we feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Never, never safe and protection. Always looking for that. Always looking for that. But can you imagine? It states about food here. But what did I say? My thoughts were changed. It was changed. I didn't think about food the same way. I knew what it was. I would look at it and say, that's what that is. I mean, it was amazing to me. It re- Because it never had been that way. Safe and protected, I knew I was. I could go anywhere, as the big book said. I could go anywhere, as long as I kept spiritual fit. You know, it says we have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. A miracle definition, and I'm going to give you that, an event or action that apparently contradicts known scientific laws, a remarkable thing. And may I tell you that it was, that it was a miracle. We move on here. I'm going to kind of go on we move on here to what it what it is like today and what do i do to continue to grow okay i listen and intend a vision for you meetings that's the way i start my morning i would have to be in a place where you know the service is not uh, um, attainable or in a hospital where they won't allow cell phones uh it is but i start my day the same way i go into a gas station i i fill up I don't know where my car's going to go that day. I don't know what situations I'm going to be in. But I am present there. And what I receive, I quickly give back. I work each and every step and do this daily. No missing a day here. This isn't something, you know, like me with exercise, I'm going to tell you. Today I'm going to ride my bike. Ah, I'll do it tomorrow. It's all right. 
I will do it tomorrow, and I'll check it off. But not here. This you can't miss. It is the breath of life to me. And like a breath, it gives each cell in your body, think of how many cells of my body, a gift of life. I sponsor. They're my bright spots. And I am sponsored another bright spot. My dear sponsor has been on this path with me and guiding me always with the big book. She calls herself a pointer, and I'm going to tell you, she's the best pointer in town. You know, I didn't realize all answers I held here in the big book, and God will show us each and every one, for I also believe he inspired mortal men in the writing of this textbook of miracles. And it was each page I read when I read the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. I'm out of the equation. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Ah, there it is. That I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may be a witness to those I would help. Oh, not mine. Thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do what I will always. The seventh step prayer. I am willing. There it starts. My creator. That that created me. Mind, body, and soul. I am willing that you should have all of me. Good and bad. Yes. May I add? That's why I do my fourth, my 10-step inventory. Good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defective character. And I do still have them continually. And I have to look at them. Each time I look at my moral inventory, I look at my... Ah, mm-hmm. But I start moving it over. The resentment moves to forgiveness. I don't hang on to the injuries or anger. I accept what has already been done. And know it cannot be undone. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. There another change. I have to be very close to my God to know his bidding. It says clearly on page 14, simple but not easy. Yeah, a price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of light who presides over us all. You know, I'm going to say here it was a small price. It was a small price for what I received. seemed like if there were scales, the scale would be way, way on what I received and from what I gave. But it says the Father of light with the light who presides over us all. I see clearly now. I can walk this path. The exchange great her broken life, the one made whole, and truly happy, joyous, and free, no matter what the circumstances. Life continued as it would. I went through a divorce after 30 years of marriage, and yes, I survived. Here I am. I've been diagnosed with osteoporosis. True enough, sugar does rob the bones. I'll attest to that. Nobody in my family has osteoporosis. Nay, nay. My mother is 91, still walking tall, girl. Diabetes was then diagnosed. Hmm. Nobody in my family had diabetes. What does the amount of sugar that I could take in, and it was a huge amount that I could take in due to a pancreas? 
and then wait. I'll give you nothing now. Ah, my weight went up and down for well over a lifetime for many. Amounts I could consume, so much emptiness, trying to fill. What does it say on page 133? A body badly burned by alcohol does not recover overnight. No, it didn't. But recover it did. I always use the terminology, recovered. Nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. No, nice thought, but not a true thought. I live in truth today. I am still, have that twisted thinking, and I still go to God. We are convinced, this is what it is, and I am no doubt here, that a spiritual mode of living is the most powerful, there it is, health restorative. It restores, it gives back. We who have recovered from serious drinkings are miracles, nothing short of, of mental health. But we have seen remarkable transformation in our bodies. Today, physically, osteoporosis is became osteopenia, and now normal bone density. Hmm. Diabetes is well in healthy bones. I do take one pill a day. My weight is normal and has been for, yes, I'm going to say it, years now. Never could say that before. Can you imagine my closet only has one size of clothes in it? Whoa! Yes, all very well indeed. Bells are ringing here, my friends. I no longer need to be filled with substance. God does the filling. And with God, I am insured of being filled to capacity. Imagine, I could never imagine that. I live. I do not listen to the vision for you on a daily basis because I have to. I want to. I want to. And I can live the vision for you that they talk about in the big book. You know, I will say here, life continues. Beginnings, endings. No matter what the circumstances, I begin and end my day with God. And yes, I check in many times during the day. And if I don't, I pay for it. I'm learning many, many things about myself. Some I'm going to be honest with you. These character defects, you know, they they give you a paragraph, you know, a couple of paragraphs on, on, on step six and seven. Whoa. Those paragraphs are life changing. And I always have to go back to them. Paula, check in. Were you in fear? Were you in fear? You need courage, honey. You need courage. He is always there. It says on page 567, with few exceptions. I was not an exception. Our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected, didn't know I had it in me. It's always there. An unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. A more religious members call it God consciousness. God. Mr. Webster says a supreme being, highest in authority. Consciousness knowing in one's own mind knowing by sensation or awareness, perception. You know, I know. If I'm connected with God, I know. Oof, Paula, that's not the right place to be, honey. That's not the right thing to do. 
But the one that I'm working on the most is that's not the right thing to say. I have to look at what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, with who I'm saying it. Even our words truly make a difference to hurt, to harm, or to help. Ooh. I now also read what my sponsor recommends out of the big book. She said, go to page 13. Now, I was zipping all over the page. And this was it. And here the miracle for me. I was to sit quietly. I will tell you, I'm not a quiet person by nature. Those that have met me could understand that. Many would attest to that. But look what it says. I was to sit quietly. When in doubt. Now, see, that was my problem. Oh, I don't have any doubt. Do you ever have that shadow? That shadow of a doubt? Can this be right? Can this be right, God? Asking only for direction. Now, when I ask for direction, I can't go. I can't do it. Because, But what does he put right alongside of it? For direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself. Wait. Accept as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. And may I add, in great measure it was. I have to say that um, there is not one thing. You know, they used to say, when I started, I began with, what would I change in my life? Not one thing. Everything has taught me so much and brought me to the place I am today. I love my fellow travelers that I travel with, and they too are going through crises and good and bad. But that's it. We go through. We have the steps. We have the big book. My dependence is on God himself, and he hasn't failed me yet. Have I walked away? Less and less. Do I draw closer? More and more. You know, I have a son-in-law, and I'm going to say very little, and he has cancer. He's 38 doesn't count the days but honey he makes the days count I have learned from him he's taught me about living and loving I have a daughter-in-law like, I'm going to have a wedding to go to very nice dress that I have and I'm going to a wedding and I'm going to be happy and joyous and free this young girl is 30 years old and she has cystic fibrosis we don't count the days we make the days count She's on the transplant list. I don't know what the the I don't know what her future holds. Can I tell you clearly? I don't know what my future holds. But I will tell you, I know who holds my future. I have a beautiful daughter and she's bipolar. Here to the power of God. We have a relationship. I finally thought I had to accept them. I finally realized they accept and love me. God has also corrected my vision. I see now things differently through his eyes of love and compassion. This beautiful child I see, my son-in-law that I spend so much time with, he lets me in as my sponsor says that vestibule between two worlds. I see the pain. We come together now. Now can I tell you? Not in sorrow. We hold each other, but in joy. For we have each other now. And we believe and trust our God. 
Another son, yes, I have two more, John and Peter. Well named, I thought. And here, too, God is working. He never tires. Sometimes I get tired. I have a wonderful mother who was in her 90s, 91 in August. Now she's a hoot. Believe me. And she's available. She's available to me, even now. I know what a treasure I have. Two granddaughters and a grandson. Probably didn't get them the same way other people did, but I got them. Oh, my goodness. I think now, let me just check in on my time. And I am closing in. I can't believe. I said, how am I going to talk 45 minutes? Hmm. I'm not thinking, how am I going to stop? <laughs> you know, I want to say, uh, my children have their their uh, ducks have ducks. They, too, are quacking away, but they have their substance abuses. Do I trust? Yep. Do I believe? Yep, because I live it. In every and all things, yes. For see, I've seen the miracles in others' lives and in my own. His wonders to to perform. Is there anything I can change? No. I accept that. I read the acceptance prayer. I accept the will of God in, in and for my life and the life of others. I live and believe the words on page 133. We are sure, no doubt here, not a shadow, God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. You know, I'm going to tell you this. I would like to end with this story, the story about a minnow fish. It, it swims in the water of South America, and, and he's very unique in, in the fact that his eyelids uh, can see below the water and above. Now, isn't that something? He can go above the water, see below and above. Strange but true. But here I want to bring the pages of 130. Those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe, have eventually seen the childness of it. This dream world has been replaced by a great sense of purpose, accompanied by a growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. We have come to believe he would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him. But wait, remember the fish. But our feet ought to be firmly planted on our earth. That is where our fellow travelers are, and that is where our work must be done. These are the realities for us. I live in reality today. You know, would like to end here for some, perhaps a beginning. You know, I want to end with another story about a little girl. And she was on the beach. And after a storm, they were all about her starfish, these beautiful starfish that were thrown. They were thrown onto the, onto the beach, and they couldn't get back to the water. It was, the, it was the, at, at the end of a storm. You know what storms are. I've had my storms. And they could not get back to the ocean. She ran from one to another, picking them up and throwing them back. She ran back and forth. There were so many. A man was watching. They approached her, and he asked what she was doing and why. She, she explained she was saving the starfish, for they would die on the sand. He looked, and he stated, there's so many. You can't really make a difference. She then reached down and picked up the one and threw it into the ocean. And then she turned and said, I made a difference for that one. So we go, my fellow travelers and friends, which I call both, and make a difference. And with that, I will end my story. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to tell it. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank you so much 
for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us today. We now invite those of you on the line to ask any questions of our speaker. In order for us to hear you, please press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done with your question, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. Does anyone have any questions for Paula? Hi, this is Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, go ahead. Hi. Um, first, I am just so very, very grateful, uh, not only grateful for Paula, but grateful to God for putting Paula in all of our lives, especially in mine. Um, Paula, you, you just don't know, I mean, you must know how <laughs> inspirational you've been for me. Um, my question is, which I, I never, um, we've, we've known each other for a while, but when was it that you um, put the, it sounds like you, have, you haven't had the, um, the alcohol, but the sugar and the flour, that your substances, whatever your substances are, when was it when you uh, put those substances down permanently, um, one day at a time, I should say? Um, and once again, thank you, Paula. Well, I will tell you, now there was a difference. When I put it down and became abstinent was um, actually in 09, in 09. So that was the end of 09. Hmm, I was just thinking about the ending and the, and the beginnings. And, but recovered was different. I didn't understand. I put the food down then, but to become recovered, that came after. And eat because with the abstinence, the food thoughts were still there. It hadn't been removed until I worked those steps so thoroughly. And then I actually could live. And 84, because remember, I was saying abstinence, so I was still fighting. But on the bottom of 84, it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, there it was. Sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it hot flame. Then I lived these words. Then I lived these words. So that's when I would say I became recovered. Abstinence, I don't use in the same terminology. So, And I learned that here, may I add. I learned that in the big book. There is a, a difference. There is a difference. And wow, what a difference on not my weight, but how I lived. Happy, joyous, and free. And yes, I love you too, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Paula. Other questions for Paula? I have a question for Paula. Uh, what is your name? My name is Sally. Sally, go ahead. Hi, Paula. It's um, always a joy to hear you. Paula, my question for you today, and um, please let me say, what a wonderful job you did this morning. I'm just so blessed, just so thankful at the way you uh, really clarify the simplicity of this program and that it really is all about our relationship with our higher power. So thank you for that, Paula. And thank you for the preparation time that you put into uh, finding all of those appropriate um, texts from the book. Paula, my question is, in terms of working the 12 steps, can you share with us if there was a point while you worked the 12 steps that was particularly difficult and perhaps even a spot where you had to stop and work it? 
you know, I think with the realization that I would be always doing the 12 step, I'm going to tell you clearly, there was relief. The first step had to be, the surrender had to be total, 100%. I still go back to the fourth step. When life, something happens in life, that I need to go back there. How I worked, I worked the steps daily because that fifth and sixth, the sixth and seventh step there, one paragraph, so much, so much of my life, I have to move over. Because when they say a moral inventory, moral meaning the truth, the code of, a code of ethics, I have to continually do it. I would like to say that I put it down. How do I work them? I'll tell you, I work them daily. And if I don't, uh, yeah, it's apparent. It's apparent. What, now, I will tell you, for me, and I hope this answers your question, that one about making amends, I finally, I put the list. Now, you know, never, always, what the, the list as it is written. And I moved, things started moving over because I said, I'm never, I'm never going to do that. Well, maybe sometime. And maybe now, and I only had to be willing. That's what it said in the big book. And that I was, that I was willing, and I did. And today, I'll tell you, I make them immediately. I don't want them on a list anymore. I make them immediately. I always look at my part, not somebody else's part. That's not my business. That's not my business. I finally realized that's not my business. You apologize for your part. But my sponsor said something to me, and I've got to be very clear. If I keep repeating and saying I'm sorry for the same thing, I'm not really sorry because I keep repeating it. So I have to go back to that spiritual foundation continually. What is the foundation, the willingness that I have and I need? But there for me, yes, I've I got to tell you, I love the steps now because I see how they have transformed my life. And they, when somebody says, go back to step six, you know, I don't think it's going back. Can I tell you? It's going forward. It's going forward. And that's what I finally realized. Yeah, I refer to the big book because I need to. I need to go back and I need to continually look at. Step 10, I try to live by. I try to live by on a daily basis. Step 11, oh, Lord, I need that. But let me tell you, don't neglect step 12. Wherever you are, wherever you are. I thought, well, I had to be, you know, this kind of person before I could. No, I read step, that step 12, working with others. There, That's what Dr. Bob stated. Why do you do it? It's a pleasure, but even more so. It's what does he say in his? He says a sense of duty. You bet. You bet. It is a pleasure. Oh, I hope none miss this pleasure, because in so doing, I am paying my debt to the man who took time. That's it. Time, how valuable time is, to pass it on to me. And I realize it, and I am so grateful because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. I stay in that, what they say, spiritually strong. Oh, yeah. I make it my business. I make it my business to always be there, to always be there, to be present with God himself. You know, it says... On page 79, 
Although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. And it says at the end there, we must not shrink at anything. If I shrink at anything, I do not enlarge my spiritual growth. And I must to meet the days that are here. That would be my answer, Sally. I don't know if it was clear. I hope it was. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. And I thought I heard someone else uh, besides Sally. Was there someone else that wanted to ask a question? Hi, this is Rita. Uh, Rita, go ahead. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Paula, because I've been down many roads with you, but because of you, I know God, Paula. I know him as a friend, and for that, I am so grateful, because I never, never would start working towards recovery without thinking God couldn't do anything for me. So I thank you for that, Paula, and you brought it more to light to me today, and thank you for that wonderful uh, acclamation. Thank you, Paula. That's it. And thank you, Bright Spot. You know, it says there on page 89, frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Believe me. And the bright spot shines even brighter when the dark times come, and they do in all of our lives. So I say thank you. Um, thank I you. had a question. Yeah, who is this? Oh, hi, this is Jenny C. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay, go ahead. Thank you. Um, Hi, Paula. Thank you so much um, for your your story. uh, I'm new to OA and been listening and, uh, you know, to the phone meetings, and um, you've really helped me just in, you know, all the stuff that you contribute when we read the big book. So hearing your story is amazing. I am, um, you know, just starting out, and so I'm really kind of struggling, which I didn't even realize, but with the first step, uh, you know, just step one, <laughs> admitting you're powerless. And I was just wondering if you have any advice. I uh, was listening to the phone meeting on Friday and kind of realized, like, that's why I'm having a hard time, because there's, like, this little part of me that just wants to think I can be cured or maybe I don't really have this problem. And you kind of talked a little bit about that. So, um I mean, any more you could say about it to help me would be amazing. Thank you. Well, my friend, I'm sorry. I didn't get your first name. Sure. Denise. Denise. Names are important, Denise, as you are. You know, I would love to say I don't know what you're talking about, but I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. Because, see, it was for everyone else. It wasn't for me. I was looking in in a way that was, was, what I was looking at was I could look at you and say, Boy, you have a problem. But I couldn't look at me and say I had a problem until I could. And that page, my, I don't even know. I must have this page. You should see this page, 30. i got to tell you. Because I said, no, no. No, no. And it was saying, yes, yes. And it said there, most of us have been unwilling. Okay, here we are, Denise. Together to admit we were real alcoholics. I wanted to be a pretend alcoholic. There ain't no such thing. (laughs) But that's what I wanted because that's how I lived my life, pretending. 
And it said, no person likes to think he is bodily and mentally, mentally different. That was just the opposite of what I wanted. I wanted to fit in. But I sure didn't want to fit in with this. But I did, because the more I read, I said, oof, oh, that one hit hard. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts. Honey, I can't count them. The reason they say countless, because I would say I tried everything, anything. Uh, I went, it, what is it, every which way but loose? And finally, finally, I was so tired. I was so tired. And I heard something. I heard hope on these meetings. I heard hope. And it was only a glimmer, but let me tell you something, honey. I fanned that glimmer. How did I fan that glimmer? I got on those meetings. I got in the big book. I found a sponsor. I did it. And did I do it in, in uh, oh, I was so, no, fear. Because you know what? My old life was the only one I knew. I didn't want to let go unless I knew what I was holding on to. And then I listened and I knew what I was holding on to. And it was something that would not let me go. I just brought my willingness. That the idea somehow, someday, he would control and enjoy his drinking. Yep, is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. Oh, yeah, this time. Mm-mm. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. I couldn't believe that. See, I could believe it for my father because he was an alcoholic. He died on a park bench, 57 years old. I've already outlived him by 10 years. He had a hole. Is all he had to do was put his hand to block that hole in his neck, to unblock it so that he could breathe. He didn't want to. He would rather have died. I felt like that. I felt like that. We learned we had to fully. Now, that that was the going to the meetings. That was getting in the big book. That was doing what it said. And I will tell you, that's where it, it was. I followed. Unbelievable. I followed directions. My sons, they just laugh at me because every time I get something new, I put it together without looking at the directions, and it's never put together. I finally realized I had to follow to the directions. And that word, and I think Leia said it so correctly, and I, so, no, not correctly. Yeah, correctly and, and indeed, as I did also. But more than that, with such depth, the word fully concede. I totally dropped fully. I just looked at concede. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What was I agreeing to? I could see my life. To our innermost selves, that was it. That was it. Within that we were alcoholics. But this is the glory of it. This is the first step in recovery. Now you would say, oh, how awful is that? Honey, that first step, that's it. In recovery. And I finally took it. I finally took it. It is in the surrendering. That's got to be 100%. And that's what you'll find, as you said. Well, I think, I know, no. That first step has to be 100%. The rest we'll continue on with. But that first step, once you come to that, do you see what it says? In recovery. Do you want to be in recovery? You make the decision, Denise. Let me tell you, as I said before, a price has to be paid. You'll never regret it. 
Never. I have never regretted it one time. I don't live in those mornings like, oh, no, not again. I don't live in those anymore. And that's what I will say, my friend. Thank you. Is there anyone else who has questions for Paula? Uh, yeah, I have a. Oh, this is Kathy. I'll wait till the next person. Hi, this is Margaret in Illinois. Okay, Margaret, and then Kathy. Thank you so much. Hello, Paula. Oh my gosh, it was just so wonderful to hear your story. I listen to you almost daily on a vision for you, and I always appreciate your short, concise power-packed messages that you um, give on every sentence, paragraph, whatever the case may be for the day. I appreciate that so much, and I just wanted to thank you for being the speaker today. I have uh, about nine pages of notes that will... um, that I can uh, refer back to at, you know, at my convenience. But I do have two questions that hopefully uh, you all won't laugh, but I'm trying to uh, make sense of a couple things that you mentioned. Um, first off, the name of that fish that you were referring to at the end of, the, of your story? Oh, uh, a minnow. Yes, in South America. I can get you the name. But I don't have the actual, but it is, it's a, it's, my sister happens to be a deep-sea diver a scuba diver, and she was the one that told me about the fish. Never seen the significance of putting it on page 130. (laughs) Really? And, you know, that was was amazing to me, the um, comparison to uh, when I, you know, us being in the clouds and, um, you know, on earth, too. It was just such a wonderful comparison. Um, I can look it up. It just gives me an idea. Um, I, I couldn't remember what fish you said. And then you mentioned ducks. Several times, to- or a couple times, I think you said ducks have ducks. Yes. Was that that you used? And I'm not familiar with that. Oh, oh, well, in the halls, many times, ducks have ducks, <laughs> meaning that oftentimes, like, you know, I am so surprised because I'll see my kids do something that I did, and I'm like surprised. Why would you be surprised, Paula? They've been under your influence. They saw okay. the way you, you know, the the, the way. I lived the way I, they reacted in the same way because I reacted to life. So they did. I'll tell you, we had a very loud family. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where the expression ducks have ducks. I I just thought everybody, um, you know, isn't it strange? The the things that we say, we just think, oh, well, everybody, I'm so glad. I I didn't realize that. I will clarify that. And I I appreciate you and I'm and I feel silly, you know, probably everybody else in the world knows but I didn't. But hey, you have to ask to find out things. I, I, uh, I uh... <laughs> my friend, <laughs> so you will you. go far with that. You'll you'll learn nothing if you sit there and don't ask. And I tell you, I've learned so much and what I've learned is how much more I need to learn. Yes. So Paula, thank you so much. I, I so enjoy listening to you and I'll let uh the next speak uh the next caller ask you a question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kathy, go ahead. Thank you. This is Kathy. Um, Paula, thank you so much. I met you at the Big Book Retreat in Atlanta and heard you there and got so much more today out of your story. I have been making a, a concerted effort to, like you, work the steps on a daily basis. And one thing that I still have difficulty with 
is um, fear. Um, I find myself filled with fear often. Um, and I know the big book tells us how to uh, walk through our fears and actions to take, but I really wanted to hear from you if that's something you practice, uh, and if so, how. Fear is part of life. Fear of the unknown, fear of what tomorrow will bring. But I will tell you, it paralyzes. I can't be useful. The book continually says, be of maximum usefulness, and I can't. Fear is, it holds me back from doing worthwhile things. Now, there is a healthy fear. We all know that, to avoid danger. I don't go into dangerous situations. I know that, and I know now the difference. But, you know, I had to, my fear in the inventory was taking a lot of space, space that courage couldn't come alongside, faith couldn't come alongside. You know, some say, and you may have heard that, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Mm. You know, we heard that, and I heard that often in the room. When I say my prayers, I ask God. When I ask anyone, be it you, be it God, I am with them. That's what causes it to change. You know, everything we do is done out of love or fear. Love is a positive thing. Fear is a negative thing. What do I want to give? What do I want to be? Is it is it is it continually? Oh yeah, because I, one fear is we another one will come alongside. Believe me, I know that. And then I have to do the same things. I have to do that. Page thirteen has revolutionized my life. Now can, I'm going to tell you clearly. I read it. I went right by it because there's so many beautiful there's so many prayers in in in, in places in the big book that tell you about fear and that four letter word it says how bad that is. How it stops us, takes us out of life. I don't want to be taken out of life anymore. And that's what it'll do very clearly. What she said was, I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. When I asked for direction, and it says, go into the hospital room, go into the ward, go wherever you need to go, Paula. And I'm fearful. But then he says he'll give me strength. Then I can do it. If I know totally and rely on his strength, then I can do it. I don't have it on my own. I'm not self-centered today. I am God-centered. And I can tell you, in fear, it takes me out of, I don't want to be taken out of life anymore. I want to be in life, and I am. But is it continual? Yes. Yes, my friend. What was your first name? Kathy. Kathy. Okay, Kathy. Kathy. Yeah, it is, but you know what? There's always, always, I go to the big book, I ask God, I do the same things. And then sometimes I'll go right back and I'll read about the inventory. And I'll read again about fear. When it crops up, because it says, it will. And what does it say on the 10th step? And I love this, because the the 10th step isn't the end. It's not an end. There are beginning, a beginning of each day. It tells you on awakening. On awakening, but I want to read right here, and let me let me go back to here because I know you've read it before. But I will tell you, these words came alive for me. They came alive. I said, "Well, these are just words." No, no, no. 
They're more than words. Okay, where is it? Ah, I want to find the exact page because it it has. You know, it's amazing to me that um, ah, the, that's another one. All through the big book, if you go to the big book, you know, I have something written in front of my big book. It says, read these pages again and again until the truth soaks through to the innermost consciousness. It had to soak through, not just be on the surface. Again and again. Do you know you can read that first 164 pages? If you read two pages a day, you can you can read it twice a year. Imagine yeah. that. Right. And I do. <laughs> but there it is. Okay. The thought, step 10, would suggest we continue to take personal inventory, continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. That's it, Kathy. We go along in life. See, we don't stop anymore. Fear stops me. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered. Here it is, Kathy. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Now, be very clear here. This is not an overnight matter. Every day something will come up. It should continue for our lifetime, and that it does. Continue to watch for what? Selfishness, okay. Dishonesty, mm-hmm. Resentment, yeah. And fear. When these crop up, be clear. We ask God at once. See, now sometimes I'll sit with it thinking I can handle it on my own. Yeah, I can handle it. No, you can't. Once I know I can't at once to remove them, we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. That's becoming quicker for me. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of of others is our code. They're the answer. Mm. They're the answer. Kathy, call any time. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Paula, would you like to give out your phone number? Surely I would. My home phone would be 603-434-3268. Very good. Thank you so much. Okay. That's my home (laughs) phone. And I was going to say, I always want to sing. Remember that song we did at Kids? Uh, uh, two, four, six, eight. Uh, oh, who do we think is great? You know. <laughs> but anyway, that would be my number, and my cell phone is seven eight one five four eight nine two four seven, and I will get back to you as promptly as I can. Thank you, Paula. We've got time for a couple more questions. If there's anyone else who'd like to ask Paula a question right now on the line. Hi, this is Carolyn from Massachusetts. Okay, go ahead, Carolyn. Hi, Paula. Thank you so much for your share. It was so great to hear you. I just really am in awe of your spirituality, and I so get the growing up in a loud house. I come from an Italian background, so everybody had to be louder than the next person to be heard. It was just wonderful to hear how you put your life into perspective and so refreshing to see how you, on a daily basis, um, do the sixth and seventh step. Because for me, that's um, where my big issues are. I'm fairly new to being recovered, and the sixth and seventh step come up for me 
every day, and I think, is this the way it's supposed to be? <laughs> but um, I just really wanted to say thank you so much, and um, I look forward to talking to you on a one-to-one -one basis. Have a great day. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn, and it's a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we get another opportunity to talk and meet. As it says on page 164, we never do know. And, yes, yeah, six and seven, and the re I need to go back to those. It, sometimes it isn't even that I want to, but I can see something in my, my life that, and that it says it always starts with step six. Is we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us? All the things which we have admitted are objectionable. Can he now take them all, everyone? Now, this is the part. If we still cling to something, we will not let go. Here it is. We ask God to help us to be willing. This is such a short paragraph. And the next one, shorter still. But they are life-changing. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. And one last question for Paula on the line before we close the meeting. This is Jen. Jen, go ahead. Hi, this is Jen in California. Uh, thank you, Paula, so, so very much. I, too, look forward to talking to you. Um, I was wondering if you could expound a little bit more upon how you work six and seven in your life. Okay, I will tell you, when things are brought to light, then you see them for what they are. And I had something brought to light for me. I did not realize that sometimes I spoke without thinking first. And my sponsor said, when you know better, you do better. I know better. Then I go back to this six and seven Things which we have admitted. Okay, if you don't see it, if you're still kind of going on like, oh, I love, well, let me just go right here. When you step on the toes of others and you don't even see it, you don't even see it. I had to ask God, God, reveal to me, show me, what is it? And something had happened, and let me see if I can just get that for you, because that to me was as, oh, you know what, I was going to say life-changing, but isn't it all? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that is, we think, is the root of our troubles. Remember, the root goes deep. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking. Now look at self-seeking. What am I seeking? In self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us. Seemingly without provocation, like what is their problem? But we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. Now they're living in the steps. But I have to tell you, I was so great at forgiving, never realizing. I had to be forgiven for what I did. I never saw that part. And then I started looking at this. All things which we have admitted 
are objectable. So now I ask God to show me. And I have a wonderful sponsor that's always pointing and always guiding. I have been blessed truly indeed. And a God, mm, yes, whether I want to see or not, I want to live the life I'm intended fully. So that is what I would say for that answer. Thank you. Thank you so much. The share code for today's meeting is 3060. Thank you to everyone who participated today, Melanie and Carol, for reading the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, and especially, especially to our speaker, Paula, who shared so much of herself.